Okay, guys, yeah, if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 12. We're just going to look at a few of those verses that Shiloh just read us by way of introduction. Um, so that's why we always try to pick a scripture reading that kind of has something to do with the sermon. And uh, sometimes it's easier than others, but uh, look at verses 12 through 16. That's what I'm going to look at. And we're actually verses 1 through one through 5. So the, So we just read it. So the context was... You know, um, James had been put to death by Herod. James, the brother of John, one of the three, had been put to death by Herod in, um, am I in the right chapter? Yeah, I'm in the right chapter. Yeah. And so, but in verse 5 in chapter 12, we see, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. You see that? So Peter was in prison, and the church was praying for him. Amen? I mean, that's a great thing. And then we go down to verse 12, and what do we see? We see, we see God answering the prayers of, well, in between there in verse 12, we see God answering the prayers, and Peter being released. The angel released him from prison. And in verse 12, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary. Peter went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who was also called Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. When he knocked at the door of the gate, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter was standing in front of the gate. Now, what do you think the church would have been the proper reaction? They're praying for his release. And here he is. He's at their door. What do they, what do they say? You are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. They kept saying... It is his angel. Obviously, they, uh, you know, they'd open the door and they were amazed. Didn't really, didn't really give much after that. Their reaction, I'm sure they were amazed. I'm sure they praised God, but their initial reaction, that's always made me chuckle. <laughs> that it says they were fervently praying for Peter's release, and then he appears at the door. And so, how many times have you and I done things like that? You know, God answers a prayer, maybe right in front of us, and we don't even realize it. Or, or maybe we don't even believe it. Um, that's kind of the theme of this sermon. The title of it is, is, Do You Believe God? Do you believe God? You know, we need to be careful of that, guys, of, of praying. And then, and then when we get the answer, not believing it. That, we get, that, that God has given us the answer that we prayed for. Or, or missing it. You know, I think, I think we can... Um, you know, I think one thing that we can take from today as we dig into this text is just the fact of being grateful for God when He answers prayer. Being grateful for God. Because we're going to see Zacharias, he didn't even, he just demonstrated a lack of faith. He didn't even believe God. Do we really believe God when we pray to God? Guys, do we really believe that God can and will answer our prayers? To the point that it doesn't shock us when He does. Or to the point that it doesn't, we don't miss it when he does. I have a story from about five years ago. It's not an exact uh, illustration of this, but it's very similar. And I know some of you in this room have heard it. But it was in, it was in April of 2018, and we were going to go down to Fort Worth and preach with Brother Jeff and Brother Jeremy, who was Jeff's elder who passed away a couple years ago or a year ago. But they, were, they had set up this outreach at the Fort Worth Arts Festival about a month in advance. And so we told them we were going to go. We signed up. It was, they had it scheduled from like 4 to 6, and, and, you know, to be out there evangelizing and preaching to the people in Fort Worth. And then so later in that week, it was, it was a Saturday, it was the outreach. And, and so by about Thursday, it was one of those giant storms that was just covering DFW and the whole state of Oklahoma, a hundred percent chance of rain the whole day, like Friday and Saturday. So I texted Jeff, I think Thursday night and said, I don't know if we're going to come, you know, that thing's, there's no, there's no way we're going to build it. But he, he talked me into it. And, and so we thought, well, we'll just go. And even if it gets rained out, we'll go to church with them on Sunday and see, see everybody, see some of our friends. And so Trish and I are driving down Saturday leave about 11 o'clock from Norman. And it's just, again, it's just rain. The, the entire state, entire DFW, just rain, constant rain. 
And so we start getting close to downtown Fort Worth and all of a sudden the rain stops. And so we're like, huh, wow, okay. And so that's, that was kind of amazing enough. So we got there right at about two o'clock. We found them, we, we set up and, and, we, and, we, and we preached the gospel. We had many just fruitful conversations that afternoon. One of the most fruitful conversations I ever remember with a young girl. And, um, and so two to six, there wasn't a drop of rain. And I kid you not, my wife as my witness, she was there. At six o'clock, on the dot, it started raining so hard that the arts festival was shut down and everybody left. And we were standing there just like in awe. And I just remember Jeremy and I looking at each other, specifically with our mouths dropped open, and, and I just thought, <laughs> my faith is very weak. You know, that's not, that's not saying God's going to do something like that every time, but He did that day. And it just, it was one of those times that uh, my faith increased and just thought, man, if we pray for something, we, we should expect it. You know, and it's not like that was a promise in God's word that, but, but still when God answers prayers, guys, it should cause us to worship God, to just, to be thankful and not, and, and so when we pray, guys, having said that, just, just to say that when you pray and you know that you're praying according to God's will. Expect him to answer to the point where you're not shocked when he does. Because that's, that's one thing I want to look at today is, man, when God answers our prayers, we need to be worship, worshiping him and thankful and not like caught off guard. And so that's, that's kind of the truth that I have on your, on your bulletin on the back that we could take home today through this, through this message is, is the fact that, that God is faithful, okay? God is faithful. And He deserves your worship when He answers your prayers. Very simple. Very simple. God is faithful and He deserves our worship. He deserves your worship when He answers your prayers. So now let's turn to Luke. We're, gonna, we're carrying on in Luke, continuing on in Luke from where we were last week. We're looking at verses 18 through 25 today. So let me read this. Starting in verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in the proper time. The people were waiting for Zacharias and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the days of his priestly service were ended, he, ended, he went back home. After these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant, and she kept herself in seclusion for five months, saying, This is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men." Father, I just come before you today, and Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to, to help me um, to clearly proclaim your word. Lord, I pray that you would give your people understanding, God, and, and help us all, Lord, to apply this, these truths that we see today to our very lives. Lord, we pray that your will would be done and that Christ would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So. God is faithful. He deserves your worship when He answers our prayers, guys. So we're going to see, first of all, today in verse 18, we're going to see Zacharias, his lack of faith. Or you could say lack of faith is unbelief. In verse 18, Zacharias said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. So the first question we've got to ask is how will he know what for certain, right? We've got to kind of back up and remember the context. And so what he's talking about is, is up in verse 13, where the angel had said to him that we looked at a few weeks ago, do not be afraid, Zacharias. You know, this, this angel appeared to him. Gabriel appeared to him. He became frightened. He says, but don't be, don't be afraid, for your petition has been heard, 
And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name of John. So that's what John's referring to. How will I know this for certain? That you're going to give me a son, that God's going to give me a son. And the thing about it is, we read, we looked at last week, it's not just a son, right? It's not just an ordinary son, but it's the son who's going to, that God's going to use to turn the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God in verse 16. Verse 17 is even more specific. That's what makes his unbelief even, even worse in this context. Remember, Remember, Zacharias is a priest, okay? He would have been very, very familiar with the Old Testament. Look what it says in verse 17. The angel tells him, it is he, talking about his son, who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for for the Lord. We looked at that last week, taken right out of Malachi chapter 4. Zacharias would have been familiar with this text. He would have been anticipating this, looking for that. And, and the angel saying, hey, that's, that's your son. Your prayer's been answered. Now, before we, before we move on, I want to, because I don't know about you guys, but when I would read this account in the past, it, you know, you always kind of wondered, man, why was the Lord's response so stern with him, right? Because we, there's other questions, other individuals asking similar questions, in the scriptures, we read one earlier in, um, or uh, actually, we didn't read that part, but but in Genesis 15, we're going to turn there a while ago. Abraham asked a very similar question. Look at look at Genesis 15:8. Well, you don't have to look there. No, go ahead and turn there. Go ahead and turn there. We just read verses one through six in Genesis. We'll look at that again here in a moment. I just want to look at a few accounts so we can really get the idea of what's happening here in Luke. Because there are other individuals who ask very similar questions in the text of Scripture, Old and New Testament, and God didn't have such a stern rebuke, I guess you could say. One of them is Abraham in Genesis 15.8. So really just the context here, Abraham, God, God is promising Abraham that he's going to... Going to uh, possess this land, that he's, this promise that he's making. And in verse 8, Abraham says this, and he said, Oh Lord God, how may I know that I will possess it? Okay? So he's simply asking how he will know that he will possess the land that God had promised to him. Okay? So just kind of hold that thought. We're going to come back to it. Another individual, you don't have to turn there, is Gideon in Judges chapter 6, verse 17. The Lord had told Gideon, okay, Gideon, he had... He had raised Gideon up as a judge, to one of the judges, to deliver Israel from their enemies. And so the Lord told Gideon in, in, in Judges chapter 6 that he would be with him as he sent him to deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Okay, And God said, I'll be with you. I'm going to send you, but I'm going to be with you. And so Gideon's response was, it says in verse 17 in Judges chapter 6, So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your sight, speaking to the Lord, then show me a sign that is you who speak to me. Seems like a very similar question to what Zacharias is asking. We're going to come back to these in just a moment. You can even see it in in this same chapter in Luke chapter 1, down in verse 34. We see Mary asking a similar question that we'll we'll look at next time. Um, the, The angel comes to Mary promises that she's going to conceive and bear a son. You should call his name Jesus. In verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I am a virgin? So there's three accounts, very similar questions. And I've always kind of had that question in my mind. Why did Zacharias, why was the Lord's response through the angel so, I don't want to say harsh, but it can appear to be harsh. It's not harsh, but so severe. The language is similar, guys. So the first thing you and I need to trust, even if, we didn't ha- even if the, the Word of God didn't shed any light on it, we need to trust that God knows what's going on in the heart. Because we're going to see that uh, Zacharias suffered a consequence for his, for his unbelief. But even if we didn't know, I think we're going to see a little bit of differences in these accounts. But we need to understand that God knows the hearts of men, does He not? 
So that's just a good principle to have when we read the text of Scripture and maybe there's not clear revelation. We need to remember that God is omniscient. God knows the secrets of heart, secrets of men's hearts. He knows the motives, things that we can't see, whether they're recorded in Scripture or not. Um, But I think there is a difference here. I think with Gideon, for example, he makes this statement. He says, if now I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. Gideon's not approaching God in unbelief. Gideon is approaching God in humility. And he's just basically saying, Lord, help my, strengthen my faith. You know, we're going to see in a minute that Zacharias was just in flat out unbelief. He didn't even believe what the angel was telling him. That's where the rebuke came from. Mary in verse 34, I don't think she was reacting in unbelief anyway, or either. But rather, okay, it's not that I don't believe you, but, but, but I am a virgin, so in what manner is this going to be accomplished? It's not just unbelief. And then Abraham wasn't operating in unbelief. If you guys remember the text we read in our scripture reading in verse 6, God had given him the promise. In verse 6, it says, Then he believed in the Lord and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Abraham was operating in belief. And we can even see that clear in in Romans chapter 4, real quickly, guys, and then we'll we'll move on. But I just want to just kind of help you understand that obviously these other individuals, they're. Their approach to God and the question they asked was not in unbelief. And we can see that real clearly in Romans chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, given kind of a quick commentary on Abraham. It says this, without becoming weak in faith, see that? Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, this is talking about Abraham, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. So these, I think these individuals were operating within faith, but maybe just saying, Lord, help, my, help strengthen my faith. Maybe even help my unbelief type of a question, but not just saying, I don't believe you, God. I don't believe you can do this. That seems to be what Zacharias is saying. Beloved, the point is this. When we think about this account in Luke, and turn back to Luke, just the testimony alone of the angel should have been enough evidence for him, right? This is a holy angel, Gabriel. And Gabriel telling him who you're, not only that you're going to have a son, but this is who he's going to be. This should have been enough Evidence for Zacharias and what it should have done, and I think it later did do, it should have led him to worship the Lord, not to flat out say, I don't believe you. I don't don't believe that this is going to happen. It should have led him to adoration and worship. What does this show us? What what are a few things that we can apply to our lives through this, this part of this account? As Christians... One thing it shows us, guys, because we can't remember what it said a few verses above that we looked at a few weeks ago. This was a righteous man. Zacharias was righteous. This was a believer, okay? So, so this is not unbelief in, in trusting God for the forgiveness of sins through what the Messiah would do. He, he was declared righteous. We looked at that a few weeks ago. So with, one thing that we can learn from this is that a righteous man, a, a born-again Christian in our context, can still be capable of unbelief in our everyday lives. That's what we see. Okay, We don't need to think that we're so sanctified and so holy that we can never fall into unbelief and not trusting God. A righteous man can still be capable of unbelief. You know, it's like it's like my incident that I just shared in Fort Worth. Um, I mean, really. And again, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a promise that, that, we'll, that we'll talk about here in a moment. Like, I wasn't doubting something that God said in His Word. But I was really doubting. I was just like, there's no use even going. And so, and so but through that, I did. I felt, I felt a, a, a slight rebuke. I just felt like, man, I was, 
I had a bad attitude. I was like, there's no reason to even drive down there. And so it did increase my faith. And like, if I'm going to go to the Lord and pray, I don't want to just go through the motion to where if God answers that I'm like, you know, caught off guard. But a righteous man, guys, no matter how much we have trusted Christ, we're born again, we can still fall into unbelief. That's what we see here. And so what about you guys? What about you and I? As far as, as, far as doubting, this is where, the, this is where the, the, the comparison would be closer to what, what we see in this text. Do you ever doubt God? Do you doubt God, what, what God has clearly revealed in His Word? Now this is where we can really get into really being sinful. Something that God says in His Word and we just refuse to believe it. I'm talking to Christians here. Guys, early on in my Christian life, I went through this for quite a while. After I had seen God transform my life, I knew that I was born again, in a sense. I knew that I was a new creation, but, I, but at the same time, I was doubting my salvation for quite a while. You know why? Because I didn't feel saved. I didn't always feel saved. And so... I talked to a few different pastors. I don't know what I, what I was expecting them to tell me, but, but a few different ones in their wisdom just said, hey, it doesn't sound like you're lacking salvation. You're lacking, you're lacking assurance. You need to believe God's Word. Jamie would tell me the same thing. It just comes down to, guys, and maybe, maybe you guys have been through that in your life. Maybe you've doubted your salvation because you didn't feel saved at a particular time. It doesn't matter what we feel like. What does God's Word say? If we come to Christ by faith and repentance and we trust Him alone to save us, then God says He gives us eternal life and forgives, the, forgives our sin. I had to learn to just believe God's Word. I know that may sound like, it, it even sounds like too simple to me now because I don't have those doubts. You know, maybe you're a Christian and it's not that you're doubting your salvation, but you just... You doubt that, that God forgives your everyday sin, you know. But what does God's Word say? That if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. I'm talking about that daily cleansing. But you say, I don't think, I don't feel like God forgives me. You know, you know what we're doing when we do that? We're saying, God, you're not trustworthy. I don't believe your Word. That's what Zacharias was doing. Am I, am I really forgiven? I, you know, I don't feel forgiven. Our feelings have nothing to do with it, guys. We're to walk by faith, not by sight. Faith in what? Faith in God's truth. And so I had to learn that. Will God provide for me? Will God meet my needs? Does, does Jesus say multiple times? Does the Scripture say He will meet our needs? If we're honoring Him, He will meet our needs. Not our greeds, but He will meet our needs. So maybe, maybe there's another area in your life where you could apply that, that you're not trusting God. Can I encourage you to trust God? To believe His Word? Zacharias obviously didn't feel that God had the ability to do this. His response. What's his response? How can I do this for certain? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. That was his question. So we see Zacharias' lack of, his lack of faith. Verse 19, we're going to see the angel's response, which ultimately, guys, is God's response through the angel. Verse 19, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. This is only one of two angels um, mentioned in the, in, the, in the scriptures by name. Michael's the other one. So this is Gabriel. And he kind of answers his question. He said, how can I know this for certain? Look what he says. He said, I am, I'm, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you. Basically, I've been sent to speak to you the very words of God. I am Gabriel. That, the name Gabriel means the man of God, the mighty one of God. So in other words, how can you know, Zacharias? Take my word for it. That's how you can know. I've been sent by God. Take God's word for it. Maybe that's not the answer he was expecting, guys. Maybe, that, maybe that's not the answer you're expecting. Maybe you're expecting some pastor or some man of God to give you some mystery 
wisdom, but I don't think anything can be better than that. Look what God's word says. You don't feel forgiven? What does God's word say? If we come to him as believers and confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. To say that he's not because you don't feel like it is calling God a liar. And you know what? I was a Christian. I was born again. I had already seen how God had made me new. But I had to realize, you know what? I'm calling God a liar by doubting my salvation. It's kind of interesting too. As a false convert for eight years, I never doubted my salvation once. But when I truly became born again, and I, because I feared God, it, it, it was just a, I took it too far. And, and I was thinking, I don't want to be deceived again. So I was, I don't know what I was looking for, but through some very simple counsel, I was just told, you know what? You need to believe God's word. You need to believe God's word. And so things begin to change after I just started taking God's word for it. That's what he's saying. Take my word for it. Zechariah, God sent me. And you know what, guys? God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. I know that's very simple. Maybe when you're not in a trial, but we need to remember that God doesn't lie. Our feelings are irrelevant. If you think about it, this would have brought a rebuke to Zacharias because he would have known, again, being a priest, being familiar with the Old Testament, he would have known about Gabriel appearing to Daniel roughly 500 years before, telling Daniel about the future Messiah and the future Messiah in the last days. And, and thinking about Daniel, the setting of Daniel, he was exiled in Babylon, but he believed the angel. Zechariah, here he is in the holy place of the temple and responding in unbelief. He's responding in unbelief. Beloved, how often have you and I been guilty of the same? You know, we, we, live, in, we live in the comfort. We've got tremendous comforts, most of us. We've got tremendous comforts that God has blessed us with. We've got multiple Bibles. And I know you guys have been experienced at some time in your Christian life, walling around in unbelief of something, some promise that God has given you in His Word. And you think, well, I don't feel like it. I've been guilty many times, guys. And what we're saying, what Zechariah is saying is, I don't think you're trustworthy, God. When we don't believe God, guys, that's what we're saying. I don't think you're trustworthy. I don't think that you can really cleanse me from that sin. And we may think we're being humble, but we're not. We're, being, we're, we're, we're walking in unbelief. You know, I think about faithful brothers and sisters that we have around the world who don't have the resources we have. They don't have the multiple Bibles we have, and yet they're giving their lives for Christ. And I'm going to wall around in unbelief. We call God a liar, guys. God is truth. Titus, Titus 1 verse 2, it says, and he cannot lie. You understand that? God not only doesn't lie, he, he can't lie because of who he is. Psalm 119, verse 151, he says, all your commandments are truth. So that means every single one of them, every single one of his commandments are truth. And then just a few verses later in verse 160, he says, the sum of your word is truth. So it's like in the verses individually, the summation of his word is truth, right? His word is truth, guys. You can bank on it if it's in his word, okay? Thirdly, we see God's consequence. God's consequence. Because guys, when we trust God, whether we, whether we trust God, we're walking by faith, or we don't, there's consequences, right? That's what we tell our kids. There's positive consequences when you obey, negative consequences when you don't. It's the same thing. Verses 20-23. And behold, you shall be silent. We see the consequence now of his unbelief. And this is where we see in the text his unbelief. And behold, you shall not or you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words. That sounds different than Abraham. Much different. And I think different than the other two accounts as well. He didn't believe him. He says which will which will be fulfilled in the proper time. 
Verse 21, the people were waiting for Zacharias as he was in the holy place. They were out in the, the courtyard waiting and were wondering at his delay in the temple. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. When the day, days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home. So Zacharias clearly didn't believe the angel's words. That's what it said. That's what we see. He didn't believe God. And beloved, you and I, we just need to remember that, guys, that when we don't believe God, that's a sin against God. Unbelief is... Now, we're not talking about like... Again, Zacharias was a man of God. Okay, He was righteous before God because of his faith in God and the promised Messiah. But he's walking in unbelief right here. He's not believing God. And you and I can do the same thing. He wanted a sign, in other words. And so the angel's saying... Here's your sign. Um, You shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place. There's your sign. You're going to have it for several months. That's your sign. So it it was both a sign and judgment from God, a consequence of his unbelief. He will remain unable to speak until we can. You can read later in verse 64 until the day of John's circumcision, eight days after his birth. And then he regains his ability to speak. You know, in verse 62 tells us also in this chapter that he may have been deaf as well. Because it says, and down in verse 62, it says, it says they made signs to his father, to, to Zacharias, as to what he wanted him called. Sounds like he maybe, maybe was deaf and mute, or deaf and um, couldn't hear and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't speak. But... That's going to happen until the birth of John, until he's circumcised. But what do we see here, guys? Even in the unbelief of Zacharias, God God will accomplish His will. He accomplished His will, whether he believed Him or not. But the fact is, guys, you and I, there's going to be consequences for when we believe God, trust God, and when we don't. Very simple. We, will, we can experience the joy, guys. The joy of trusting Him. Or we can experience His discipline and His chastening like Zacharias did. You know, I remember, I remember those days, guys. When I, and that's, that's what I was doing. <clears throat> I was wallowing, wallowing around. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. And, 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 and just not taking God's simple truth that, that I was safe. That I was safe. My trust is in Christ. And so I remember having these thoughts. If I could just get past this, I just desire to minister to others. But whether it's that, guys, or whatever it is in your life, when you're when you're in the muck and the mud of, of maybe unbelief or disobedience in your life or sin, you can't minister to others. Okay? You can't, it's like a it's like a um, I don't even know. I don't even know the illustration I was I was thinking of, but it, it's like you gotta you've got to take care of yourself first before you can minister to other people. And so when we're when we're we're gonna see that that Zacharias he he missed out on some opportunities to minister to the people. You and I we miss out on many opportunities when we fail to just trust God. When we're sitting here doubting God whether He can forgive our sins in our daily lives. What are, what are we focused on? First of all, we're not believing God. We're focused inwardly on ourselves, and we're really not being used by God. We're not, we're not getting to experience the joy of ministering to others. So that's what we see in Zacharias' life, and I know I've experienced that many times when I'm... When I'm just not simply trusting God, His very simple promises in His Word, how much we miss out. God's going to accomplish His purposes. But Christ said He came to give us eternal life and abundant life. And I think much of the abundant life is when we're in the will of God and we're simply walking by faith, trusting God, trusting God to provide, taking Him at His Word and being used by God. That's when we experience the true joy of the Christian life. In verses 21 and 22, 
says the people were waiting for Zacharias and they were, they were wondering at his delay in the temple. You know, usually the priest was, was not in there in the holy place for any more than half an hour. According to what I've read, they would burn incense, offer prayers, and then they would come out. It says the people were waiting. You know one thing they were waiting on? Not only for him to come out, but they were waiting to be blessed by him as the priest. To receive the benediction or the prayer of blessing over them. But guess what? He couldn't even do that. He came out and couldn't talk. So immediately he's suffering the consequences of his unbelief. And you and I, how many times do we do that? How many times do believers miss the privilege of ministering to other people? Other believers? To the lost? Because we're so focused on ourselves and we're not trusting God. I know, I've, I mean, that's why I know it's true, because I've experienced it. But when we believe God, we get out of our shell, we take God at His Word, and step out by faith, the Christian life is a life of adventure and joy. So we see him missing out, that he couldn't even, he couldn't even offer the prayer because he couldn't speak. Oh, beloved, we miss out so much when we don't believe God. How can we ever experience the joy of ministering to other people when we're in this state of mind? And you know, again, I used to read this account and say, man, God was kind of mean here. But what, God is very just in what He did. You know why? Because unbelief is horrible. When we don't believe God, unbelief is horrible. And I think that's why this is recorded in Scripture. Right? This is written for our instruction. You think about how patient God is with us. You know, I'm thankful that um, because there's been many times where I didn't take God at His word. And I, and, and, and I was experiencing a sense of His, his heavy hand of, of discipline, but I'm glad He didn't make me mute or deaf. I think there would be a bunch of us walking around not even being able to talk if God was not patient with us. So thankful He doesn't do this every time. We wouldn't be able to talk to one. We'd have to learn all learn sign language. But God is patient, guys. He didn't always, he didn't always do this, but he, but he chose to do this to Zacharias. And we can learn from this. It says in verse 23, when the days of his priestly service were ended, he went back home just after he had fulfilled the duties of the week. He went back home. One thing we see in this is being mute must have not been an unqualification for the priestly service, so that's good. You know, that's, that's God's grace. Again, if that was a qualification, there wouldn't be any pastors <laughs> qualified. Because the point is, guys, we all, at one time or another, we, we don't believe God. We don't take Him at His Word. But I just want you to know, you and I miss out when we do that. You and I miss out. God doesn't need you. Okay, God will accomplish His purpose. He will make sure that His elect sheep hear the, hear the message of the Gospel from somebody. Um, you know, God's going to minister to His people, but He's chosen to use us. You know, how can I minister to you guys? Well, I mean, just what a disgrace that would be to sit up here, and yet I'm not taking God at His Word in my everyday life. And so aren't you, God's, aren't you glad for God's faithfulness, guys? That's where we're going to look at last. God's faithfulness, right? God's faithfulness. Even when we're not faithful, God is. In spite of Zacharias, his unbelief, we see God fulfills His promise. In verse 13, he says, the angel says, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you will give him the name John. And we see that, that it is fulfilled. We will see it, you know, when we get a little later in the chapter, we'll look at it. But think about the faithfulness of God, guys. In spite of Zacharias' unbelief, in spite of Elizabeth's barrenness, and in spite of their age. What do we see? Elizabeth became pregnant. God is faithful to His promise. In verse 24 and 25, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. And she kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days when He looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace 
among men. And so you guys remember we looked at a few weeks ago how in that culture in Israel that it, it was a disgrace, it was a reproach to be barren. Right? Unjustifiably so. Uh, but that was just in that, in that culture, they looked at it as, oh, what sin are you involved in? You're not, you're not a holy person. You're, you're, you're living in some kind of sin if you're barren. That was just a kind of a cultural stigma. And so in verse 24, it says, She became pregnant after these days and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She probably kept herself in seclusion until the time that it was obvious that she was, that she was pregnant, that she was showing, to show how the Lord had looked on her with favor and removed her shame and disgrace. That's probably what's going on here. Nobody knows for certain. Uh, but we think about how faithful and gracious was God to Elizabeth and Zacharias. God was faithful to Zacharias, even in his unbelief, to answer his prayer, um, giving them not only a son, but one who will be great, John the Baptist, who we looked at last week, the greatness of John the Baptist. Beloved, are you glad when God is faithful even when you're not? Man. Yeah, none of us would even be here if that wasn't the case. And so, beloved, I'm speaking to Christians here. We're going to look at a few different categories of people. But, but speaking to Christians like Zacharias. You have believed God for salvation, okay? That's not, that's not the issue we're talking about. You have trusted Jesus Christ by faith. The, the righteousness of Christ has been credited to your account. God has transformed your life. But maybe, but maybe like me as a young believer, you're not trusting His ability to keep you. In other words, maybe you lack assurance at times. Maybe it's just periodically that there's times where you just, you just lack assurance, can I tell you a, a scripture that I, I clung on to with every ounce of my being to where this scripture is so precious today? If, if, you, if you ever have this particular doubt in your, in your, in your heart, in your mind, where you, you, you just, and you know, I think many times it's an attack from the enemy, just flat out calling God a liar, and we start listening to it. But 2 Timothy 1, verse 12 is a verse. That became very dear to me that I literally I clung on to by faith. I didn't feel it at times, but you know what? After a period of time, even the feelings started coming. And it says this. Paul says, he tells Timothy, I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted him until that day. Feelings aside, guys, that's the truth. I, I had to really just claim it, you know, name it and claim it. It's okay to name and claim those type of scriptures. I know who I'm, but I knew who I was trusting in, Jesus Christ alone. And so I just had to take verses like that and, and believe God. He is able to guard that regardless of how I feel. He is faithful, beloved, to sanctify us in those times. And give us assurance. He has sanctified me in that area of my life. He has given me assurance and I can minister to others. Maybe you have those same struggles. Maybe it's your daily needs, right? I think we all may struggle with those at times. It's just your daily needs. Hey, hey, hey you know what? I've, I've maybe never struggled with those as much as maybe I have been a little bit here lately. I've never been off work. Really in my entire life since I've been old enough to work. And I'm looking at like six months. And I'm just going, okay. I know God will provide, but you know what it's made me do? It's made me go back to the Word of God and just look at God's Word. Many times He promises His people. I thought of Philippians 4.19. My God will supply your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's going to supply our spiritual needs, our physical needs. He will supply your needs. And sometimes we don't even recognize it when He does it. And we fail to give Him praise and glory and honor as He meets our needs. Our needs are met, guys. 
He meets our needs. He loves us. Oh, when you see God answer prayer, beloved, we need to bow down in adoration and thank Him for that. We must be careful of praying and then not believing when we get the answer like Zacharias was. There's another story I want to share with you guys before we, before we kind of approach the conclusion where I was guilty of this. Of, of really maybe praying and even believing God to answer a prayer and then not even seeing it when it's right before me. Well, and this is, this, this is the story about how I met my wife. Um, when I had told some Christian ladies in my life that I was ready, ready to date, and I just told a few people that I trusted, grandmother and aunt, and, um, and I'm the one that said it. Hey, keep an eye out for me. I kind of trusted maybe the people that they would, they would find. And, and it was a few weeks later. And my aunt said, I met this girl. She even said, she's going to be your future wife. <laughs> and again, I'm, it was my idea, right? Set me up. And so she sets me up. And guess what I did? I I just kept putting it off, putting it off. Have you called her? Have you called her? Nope. And I, and I started getting real negative about it, going, ah, blind dates, they never work. Even to the point where I was supposed to meet her, it was through Singles for Christ, a ministry that she was involved in. And they were having a uh, get-together at, a, at the uh, Choctaw First Baptist Church on a Friday night. And, and my aunt was saying, she's going to be there. Her name's Trish. She's going to be there. And so, turns out I was tired that day, and I just went home, didn't, didn't go. <laughs> and um, again, you know, I was praying with expectation, been praying, I, I was desiring a wife, and then God is literally answering my prayer, and I understand, guys, God's providence, I, get, I, I understand it was ordained that we be husband and wife, but from a human level, I just almost blew it. I just almost said, no, nah, I'm not even going to. And literally, my aunt had to get rough with me and say, you need to call her. And so finally I did. And the rest is history. <laughs> but you know, from a human level, I just almost just missed on what God had for me. You, do you see that? If you're going to pray, then it, be ready when God answers. And worship Him when He does. And don't walk in unbelief. Pray with expectation, beloved. Worship Him when He answers. You remember a few weeks ago, guys? We read the passage out of Peter and we offer up spiritual sacrifices. That's one. of Praising God when He answers prayer. We've been seeing God answer prayers in this church. And we need to not take that for granted, but worship Him that He hears your prayers and that He answers. And so lastly, guys, in closing... You know, the first was, was to the Christians, guys. If there's any area of your life that maybe I didn't mention, and you have a clear word from God, I'm not talking about like you heard God say, but something in the Word of God, whether it's Him meeting your needs, whether it's Him cleansing your sins on a daily basis, take Him at His Word, okay? And this next one would be to the saved as well. But just kind of a warning for all of us, right? God gives these warnings. You know, we talk about this a lot, guys. This is what I'm fixing to say, is that, that, that God's sheep will endure to the end, right? They will endure to the end. We know, we know that. Because they, they will persevere because God will preserve them to the end. That's taught in Scripture. But you know that, that God, He has a means by doing that as well. And, and a lot of those... A lot of the means that, he, that, that, that his sheep persevere to the end is through his warnings in Scripture. It's really amazing how God does that in his, in his sovereignty. Some of his warning passages in Hebrews, those are his means, the warnings to his sheep by which they persevere. Hebrews 3.12 is one of them. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. You see, these are warnings to God's people. 
He says, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Do you hear that warning for all of us? Do you hear God's do you hear God's warning about about there not being in any one of us an not just an unbelieving heart, but an evil unbelieving heart? This is talking about apostasy. Okay? So so the type of unbelief what we're talking about now is that is that apostatizing. These are warnings in scripture that God gives. But just listen to this text, guys. That be, be, take care, beware that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But listen to this, guys. But encourage one another. You and I need one another. God has established the local church for a reason. We need one another to encourage one another. That's why I encourage you guys to encourage one another. If you see one of your brothers or your sisters maybe down, going through something, encourage them. Okay, that We're responsible, every single one of us, to encourage one another day after day so that we'll not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Okay, Check on one another. That's why we're encouraged... Commanded really in Scripture to not for not forsake the gathering of meeting. Okay? There's a reason for it. Not to check off your box. But because we need each other. And then lastly, guys, to the unbeliever. To the unbeliever. 1 John 5, verses 10 through 12. John says this. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Why? Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And what is the testimony? He says the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. So do you have the Son? Do you have the Son? Have you come to the Son? Not have you come up front. Not have you repeated a sinner's prayer. Have you come to the Son? That's what the text says. Have you come to the Son? Have you come to the One who says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. Have you come through personal faith and repentance? To the Son. Who is the Son? Jesus Christ. He is God the Son. Fully man, fully God. We are to come to Him. We are to come to Him in surrender. We are to come to Him in who He is. He is a King, right? And it says we are to come and we are to bow to Him. Have you come to Him in saving faith? Have you bowed your knee to Jesus Christ? Is He the affection of your heart? Is He who you are following? It's not talking about religiosity. It's not talking about being a good person. Have you come and bowed to the Son as Lord and King? You know, that's what I, that's what I remember in my conversion. That's what I was missing. I was trusting in an experience I had as a teenager. Repeating some words that a man told me to repeat, but I had never come and bowed my knee in my life before the King of Kings and said, I surrender to you. Jesus says, if any man wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the testimony. You want to hear how radical Jesus' gospel presentation was, guys? In Luke 14, it says he had a large crowd following him and he turned to the crowd, right? He turned to the crowd and said, whoever of you want to follow after me, if you want to be my disciple, he said, you must hate your father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, and even your own life. 
That's the demands that he said. If you want to be my disciple, and what is it? Is he teaching us to hate our family? No, okay? Don't ever... No, it's a, it's a comparison. If you want to follow me, then I need to be here. Even your love for your family must seem like hatred to your devotion to me. That's what he's saying. And he says, if that's not the case, don't come. Because it says many, the crowds left him. But that's the truth. Guys, that's saving faith. Have you come to Christ and surrendered to him? Obviously, when we come to Christ and he gives us new life, we love our family more than we could ever love our family before. But he is saying, I am Lord, I am King. Do you want to follow me? Then deny yourself. Be willing to die to yourself and come after me. That's his message. And it says the crowds forsook him. But what do we try to do? We try to do just the opposite. We try to make it as appealing to the unbeliever as possible. No, the message of the gospel is that you are a wretched sinner on your way to an eternal damnation in hell, but God has provided a Savior, but you must come to Him fully and receive Him by faith, trusting in Him alone, be willing to repent. That means a radical change, a reversal of your thinking. The change of mind means a complete reversal. I was the Lord of my life until the age of 22. I called the shots. And here the gospel come along and said, you must die to yourself and bow to Christ. And he is mighty to save. We cannot forget these demands of the gospel in his word. So when it says to believe in him, to believe in Christ, it's a surrender. And then lastly, in Revelation 21.8, the, the warning from Scripture, guys. Obviously, we've talked about unbelief today. Unbelief in different contexts, right? Even as Christians, we can, in our Christian life, we can, we can walk in unbelief and not take God at His Word. This kind of unbelief that we just looked at is for the unbeliever. You don't, if you don't believe in Christ to save you and Him alone, because, you know, you hear people say that, oh, I just don't believe, right? You share the gospel with them. You share the simple gospel. God has provided a savior. You're a sinner. The only way to be forgiven is through Christ. Well, I just don't believe. And they just kind of they just kind of blow it off like it's no big deal. But that's a serious deal. In Revelation 21, 8, it says this for the but for the cowardly and the unbelieving. OK, that's what I tell people. You may think unbelief is no big deal. But he says, for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. People need to realize, guys, unbelief comes with a consequence. Christ has come. He has bled. He has died. And he is willing to save anybody who comes to him by faith and is willing to repent of their old lifestyle and is willing to surrender to him as Lord. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will find rest for your souls. So if there's anybody here, if there's anybody who hears this message Please come to Jesus Christ. Please, while you have time. Today, while it's called today, okay? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank You for the truth of Your Word. We thank You for the clear teaching of Your Word, God. Please forgive us, Father, when we fail to believe Your Word in our everyday lives, God. Father, we pray for those in our families, God, who, who refuse to believe, God, who harden their heart. Lord, we just pray that You would draw them to Yourself, God. We pray that they would come by grace through faith to the Son of God. <sighs> Father, help us all to take You at Your Word so that, so that we can be used by You in, in the and ministering your gospel to other people, God, and ministering to the body of Christ. 
Lord, I pray that we would not be those, God, who tell you by our actions, God, that we don't believe your word. We don't believe your promises. And Father, have to experience your discipline. But Lord, I pray that we would experience your joy and the abundant life, God, by simply taking you at your word. We know that you're the God who cannot lie, God. And we praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.